this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we finish up the prophet Micah with What Does the Lord Require? Destruction of the Wicked, Awaiting the Salvation of God, Rejoice Not, O Enemy, and Who is a God Like You? Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or on your favorite podcast provider. Public Radio Choir with the Christmas hymn, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming. I remember several years ago, there was a liturgical coincidence that was, to me, theologically fantastic. I think it was the Annunciation, that is, the angel Gabriel coming to Mary to announce that she is conceiving of the Christ child, and Good Friday fell on the same day, Christ's conception and Christ's death celebrated on the same day, but it does leave you with a choice to make, and we have a similar, less consequential choice to make this coming Sunday morning because it's going to be the fourth Sunday of Advent. There's no doubt about that, but it's also going to be Christmas Eve. Welcome back to Issues Etc., live on this Monday afternoon, December the 18th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the Nativity of Our Lord, Christmas Eve, the Gospel reading, Matthew's account of the birth of Christ. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever will be our guest. Dr. Michael New of the Charlotte Lozier Institute joins us after that to talk about a new report on the work of pro-life pregnancy centers and a Wall Street Journal poll on abortion that he says is just flat wrong. Then we'll spend some time with Dr. James Gill discussing Lutheranism and mathematics. He is a associate professor of mathematics at St. Louis University, and Pastor Andrew Packer joins us to talk about responding to this argument that gender is fluid. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the book, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio, called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, welcome back. Thank you. What is the preacher to do when he encounters this situation where the nativity of our Lord, Christmas Eve, that's when we begin celebrating this, falls on the fourth Sunday of Advent? A preacher has a choice to make. I imagine you've made your choice on this particular one. Yeah, well, um, it is a relatively rare concurrence. Uh, It only happens about once a decade so every seven years or so, the fourth Sunday of Advent is New Year's Eve. Note that New Year's Eve is distinct in its propers from the first service of Christmas Day, which occurs at midnight. Christmas Day then is followed by the, the service. You know, and by the way, that focuses on Luke 
2 verses 1 to 14. Then the dawn service on Christmas Day is basically Luke 2 verses 15 to 20, the visit of the shepherds to the Holy Family. And then the great divine service for Christmas Day, the main service, has the gospel from Luke 1, 1 to 14. All of that is not affected by what happens on the morning of Christmas Eve. Additionally, a whole bunch of parishes are going to observe something in the early evening of Christmas Eve, right? It might be a service of lessons and carols. Our congregation does an evening prayer service that's mostly for the children and done with, and the children are the active leaders of that service with the pastor. All that's there, but this is the question about Sunday morning, the 24th of December. It seems that the old Lutherans and the old Roman Catholics answer that what you need to do when this concurrence happens, that the fourth Sunday of Advent falls on New Year's or Christmas Eve, is that Christmas Eve replaces the fourth Sunday of Advent. Fourth Sunday of Advent just gets bumped. So that means that the gospel that will be given attention in the morning liturgy would be Matthew's account of the birth of in his first chapter of his gospel. In more recent years, I think it's very, no question, very true. Lutherans have tended to regard the fourth Sunday in Advent as sort of sacrosanct and read the gospel assigned to that day. So in LSB, that would either be John 1, 19 to 28. We're dealing with the one-year lectionary, of course, where John the Baptist denies that he's the Christ or the visitation gospel from Luke 1, verses 39 to 56, where Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. Today's study will assume that we're going to do it the old Lutheran way. And we're going to bump Rorate Celli, the fourth Sunday in Advent, and observe the vigil of the Nativity Christmas Eve. The LSB puts the color of the vigil as that of the coming feast, white. I will note that the Lutheran Missile Project says that the vigils keep the color of the previous season. So in that case, it would still be violet. And we're going to see this bifurcation of opinion also on the great question of what's supposed to be the color at the vigil of Easter. We'll see that in a few months. LSB lists the Christmas Eve service for the Nativity of the Lord as comprising the following set of propers. The intro it has an antiphon from Psalm 2, verses 6 and 7. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will note the traditional intro for the day, as given by the Lutheran Missile Project, is actually from Exodus 16. I like it better. Today ye shall know that the Lord will come and save us, and in the morning... You shall see his glory. Stop and think about that for Christmas Eve. That's a beautiful uh, passage for the day. But LSB and the Lutheran Missile Project agree the psalm itself is Psalm 24, though the Missile Project gives only the first verse. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. The LSB goes on to say, but who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? You has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false, that means to an idol, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness. He will receive righteousness from the God of his salvation. So proclaiming the joys of this day, God is coming to bring his righteousness to us as our everlasting blessing. That's the the, the, the thing heralded in the intro it. And depending on the antiphon you use with it, either 
this is the, the son that is begotten of the father eternally, or this is the God who is coming to save you. He's coming to save you, and, and you're going to get to see his glory in the morning. That is on the next day. It asks that question, uh, who shall stand in his holy place? And in this case, the the holy places can be either the, the temple or the womb of the Virgin Mary. Right. And you can even add the holy place could be the the, 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 the the stable cave, you know, the manger where Christ is. Who can stand in this holy place? And of course, the only way any of us can stand in the presence of our God is in and through Jesus Christ, who gives to us the righteousness that we need to be able to stand in the presence of God as pure and holy before him. Is this one of those song of ascents, or is it, is it just sound like one? Um, it's not one of the song of ascents. Um, it certainly does have that same kind of a ring, the way it's focused. Psalm 24 and Psalm 25 both are big, uh, they're featured hugely in the psalmody of Av Adventide. We're going to hear more of it before this service is done, but it's going to lift up this idea that the earth belongs to this baby. This baby who's coming from Mary's womb, the earth is his. It is all his property, and it will be manifest in his life that he is the Lord of all come among us. Last week, we had one of the shortest colics and to-the-point colics. Today, we get back to a full-blown colic. We sure do, and a beautiful one. Well, the way it's listed in LSB, it runs, Oh, God, you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, we may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our judge. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Now, this collect is found in TLH and uh, the Lutheran hymnal and listed with other collects for the season of Advent. Note how, though, this is the the vigil of Christmas, yet the Advent theme is still sounding really loud in the collect, right? He's coming again as judge, and we don't want to lose that. But the collect's been changed in the modern version. It says, with sure confidence, we may behold him. I actually like the old version, which goes right to the heart of it, that without fear, we may behold him when he comes again as judge. And in the background here, I think you have 1 John 2, 28, and now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Similarly, Hebrews 10, for yet a little while, the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, My soul shall have no pleasure in him. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So this beautiful picture, um, I think it's where C.S. Lewis got the scene in The Last Battle, where when Aslan stands outside the stables, the world's coming to pieces all around him. The people file up before him, and they either look at him with great love and joy. He's the fulfillment of everything they wanted. Or they look at him in absolute terror and shrink off into the shadow on his left hand. Which way is it going to be? How are we welcoming the king? And because of what he did for us, coming for us in Bethlehem, so that he would be able to die for us on the cross. When we know this, when we believe this, when we know that we are clothed with his own very righteousness, the righteousness he purchased for us by his suffering and death, We can behold him without fear 
when he comes as judge, we know that the one who's coming to judge us is the one who already atoned for all of our sin. In fact, the sin of the entire world. We kind of naturally go to Isaiah 7, beginning at verse 10, for the Old Testament reading. Um, and I will note that because the Lutheran Missile Project supplies the traditional Wednesday and Friday readings in addition to the Sunday readings, this is actually used on the Wednesday of Ember Wednesday. That would be the Wednesday just passed. So they give an alternative Isaiah 62 verses 1 to 4. But Isaiah 7 verses 10 to 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, of course, which means God with us. So remember what had happened at the time uh, Rizan and uh, Pika had joined together. They were going to come against Judah. And frankly, Ahaz was, was kind of terrified. It looked like his two neighbors to the north were going to preparing to wipe him out and replace him with the son of Ramaliah on putting him on the throne. And that would be a big deal because God had promised that the throne of the house of David would be established forever. And so this is a scary moment for him. And when Isaiah comes to him, he gives him this command, ask any sign you want. It can be high as heaven. It can be deep as Sheol. In other words, it has to be a great sign. And he's like very pious and refuses. He's like, I wouldn't dare. You're not supposed to put the Lord your God to the test. (laughs) God speaks through Isaiah and it's like, you are putting me to the test right now. You're wearying me, O house of David. Look, you won't ask for a sign. God's going to give you a sign, and this is going to be it. And it's going to be a sign as high as heaven, as deep as Sheol. He comes from heaven. He goes all the way to Sheol, and he returns back to heaven. He says, look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I tried to look up the quote, and I could not find it earlier today, but I think it was St. Basil who made the comment that it's a great thing And therefore, if this passage is made as many modern scholars try to make it refer to just a woman conceives like in the ordinary way, that's not a great sign that's high as heaven or deep as Sheol. That doesn't fit the text at all. And therefore, the Greek translation actually is right on to leave this as Parthenos here, a virgin, a virgin, a woman who has never known a man is going to conceive. This will be the great sign, the sign of all signs. This is right back to Genesis 3, 15. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We'll talk a little bit more about that Old Testament reading for the Nativity of Our Lord Christmas Eve as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary on this Monday, December the 18th. week on the word of the Lord endures forever. We finish up the prophet Micah with what does the Lord require? Destruction of the wicked, awaiting the salvation of God. Rejoice not, O enemy, 
And who is a God like you? Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or on your favorite podcast provider. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December uses detailed illustrations and rhyming text to tell the story of Jesus' birth. It's titled, N is for Nativity. This new hardcover children's book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or learn more about N is for Nativity at issuesetc.org. Use the ABCs from Advent to Zion to teach your children and grandchildren the Christmas story with N is for Nativity. Christological, creedal, confessional. You're listening to Issues Etc. Saving faith is a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, Martin Luther writes. How can it not be? It is created by our loving God through His living words and life-giving deeds. Living Faith Lutheran Church is located at 1171 Atlanta Highway in Cumming, Georgia. Come train in God's Word with us for the baptized life in our adult catechumenate. Find out more on the web at livingfaithlutheran.com. Do you need a rest from the world's headlong rush to Christmas? Some place where you and your family can slow down and prepare for Christ's birth at the church's rather than the world's pace? A midweek evening Advent service is the perfect time for your first visit to a Christ-centered, cross-focused Lutheran church. Learn more on the Find a Church page at issuesetc.org or send an email to talkback at issuesetc.org. M is for the manger where the infant Lord was laid. There was no room in any inn stable where he laid. N is for nativity, another name for birth. When Christ was born, our Lord began his human life on earth. From the Issues Etc., a book of the month for December, N is for nativity, Christmas from A to Z. This children's book is appropriate for children five to nine years old. You can find out more about it at our website, issuesetc.org, or... Call Concordia Publishing House and order N is for Nativity, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. We're looking forward to the Nativity of our Lord Christmas Eve, according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. You mentioned before the break that some scholars have attempted to take this very clear reference to the Virgin Mary and just kind of dumb it down and say, well, yeah, but that, that Hebrew word used there can just mean a young woman as well as a virgin. Why do they do this other than just scholarly mischief? And you had mentioned the Greek translation, Parthenos. There's no other way to read that than a virgin. Virgin, right, right. And clearly it's the way the New Testament reads it, right? So that should sort of settle the matter for the people who believe the Holy Spirit is the inspirer of both of our Testaments. Also remember that the Greek version is actually an older version than we don't have Hebrew texts that actually probably predate the Septuagint. Maybe not even the Dead Sea Scrolls would predate the Septuagint, although they're probably roughly contemporaneous, I guess. But this is just a very important point. They wanted to get rid of the virgin birth because, of course, they want to get rid of everything miraculous about the the scriptures. And if they can just wipe out the realization that if you don't have Mary as a virgin— 
what you have is a normal human child being born from a normal set of parents. I was shocked that a, a person that I highly respected in many regards just publicly stated this the other day on, online. You know, he's that I don't care whether or not she's she was a virgin or not doesn't doesn't affect my faith at all. I'm like, we don't share the same faith because if Mary's not the virgin, then the child that's born of her is not truly God in the flesh. And it's what the scriptures themselves reveal. And so I, I just don't understand how people can let it go so easily. The motive for letting it go is clearly to get away from a difficulty. Let's at least deal with the difficulty up front. My dear friend, Dr. Lee Maxwell, asked the question once. He goes, well, Mary could give him two X chromosomes. Where did the Y chromosome come from? And then, of course, it was just a matter of speculation. He made it clear. He's just speculating. And he said, well, you know, the Holy Spirit could have created it brand new. Boom, there's a brand new Y chromosome. Inserted that in there, and there's the person of Christ. Or... It could be that he actually used, reused the Y chromosome of Adam. And he really liked that idea because he said that pairs so well with Paul's language of Christ being the new Adam, which I really like, but I want to mark it off. Big speculation. We have no idea. What we do know is that it's the Holy Spirit who is responsible for the conception. And you're not going to be able to tell the Holy Spirit he can't do something. The psalm for this coming Sunday is another royal psalm. It's uh, Psalm 110, just the first four verses, but it's another one of those regal psalms, isn't it? Yes, it is. Jesus himself will refer to it. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Remember, he pointed to this passage and he asked, how can it possibly be that the Messiah is the son of David when in fact he's called David's Lord here? So beautiful, beautiful psalm that, that unpacks that. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely in the day of your power. In holy garments from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, the king of righteousness. So a beautiful royal psalm confessing Jesus both being true God true the, the true king and also the great priest who comes in the flesh to offer to god the perfect sacrifice of himself much is made of this psalm in the book of hebrews mm -hmm. to make us sure that we're not talking about melchizedek per se we are talking about the one who would come and as the writer to the hebrews says fulfill his office that is from eternity Right, that, you know, he, he is without father and without mother. That's the way it's put there. So, yeah, picturing an eternal priest who has an eternal priesthood. And so the thought uh, that, that the writer to the Hebrews picks up is that's how come Jesus is the eternal priest because he has an eternal life too. So as this Melchizedek in the Old Testament where he mysteriously shows up is always taken to be a type of the Lord Jesus. In fact, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus among men. The gradual, how does it read for us? From Psalm 98, from the first several verses, the third, fourth, and second verses, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. The Lord has made known his salvation. 
He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. There's that theme of revealing the righteousness again. He's coming to reveal his righteousness. And all the earth gets to see the salvation of God. Remember that the name Jesus actually means Savior. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. He is the Savior of the world, and we come before him to make a joyful noise to the Lord of all the earth, the baby in the manger, giving him our praise and our thanks. This also, I should point out, is the joy to the world psalm. It's what the the hymn is based on. And so this particular gradual is already leaning hard toward the upcoming Feast of Christmas. The Lutheran Missile Project actually returns to Exodus and supplements with a bit of Psalm 80. It reads, Today ye shall know that the Lord will come and save us, and in the morning ye shall behold his glory, just like we heard from the intro. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that sittest upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. We heard those words in the intro for the second Sunday in Advent, I think. So there's continuity. If I can put it this way, the newer readings tend to lean forward to the upcoming feast, and the older traditional readings that you have in Lutheran Missile Project tend to look backward to the days of Advent. So it's really a day that straddles the two seasons. Since we've had these two royal psalms in the service so far, why is that connected to his birth. We need people to realize who this is who is being born. This is the long-promised king of the Jews. This is the son of David to whom all those promises were made. This is the one who fulfills the promise of a kingdom that will have no end. He is the coming king right there. That's how we actually get to see and know him. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, also the Nativity of Our Lord Christmas Eve celebration headed toward Matthew's Gospel. But first, we'll get to the epistle in 1 John 4. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences.
To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. The Evangelical Lutheran Church holds that it is God who raises up men to serve His Holy Bride through His office of the Holy Ministry. At Concordia University, Chicago, we prepare men to take the first step on the path by which God leads them to His pastoral office. Are you ready to take the step? I'm Dr. James Ambrose Lee, Chair of the Division of Theology at Concordia University, Chicago. Learn more about the pre-seminary program at CUC by visiting cuchicago.edu. CUChicago.edu. Old theology, new technology. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Bethlehem Lutheran, Fairborn, Ohio. Faith Lutheran, Dunedin, Florida. Holy Cross Lutheran, Carlisle, Iowa. Emmanuel Lutheran, Pensacola, Florida. Mount Calvary Lutheran, Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Peace Lutheran, Sussex, Wisconsin. Risen Savior Lutheran, Basor, Kansas. St. John Lutheran, Waverly, Iowa. St. Peter Lutheran, Arlington, Wisconsin. And Trinity Lutheran, Weatherford, Texas. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including issues, etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. The hymn of the day for the fourth Sunday in Advent, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the Nativity of Our Lord, Christmas Eve, with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Will, take us into the epistle reading from 1 John. Yeah, 1 John 4, verses 7 to 16, some of the most beautiful words in the New Testament. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the wiping out for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. 
And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Just a beautiful passage, stressing that in the Lord Jesus, this is how you come to know what love is. God gives his son into the flesh and gives him into the flesh that he might become for you the propitiation for all of your sins. That's how God loved you. He gives his son for you. And this is the only way for us to get what the love of God actually is, this self-giving of God into our flesh. Before we move on to the, the next one, we probably should also note that there is an alternate epistle, a traditional epistle for the day, It's slightly different from John, very different in tone. The beginning of Romans, listen to these words. Brethren, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So that traditional epistle is chosen quite obviously to stress the twofold natures in Christ, that Christ himself is truly the descendant of David, but he is also shown to be the very son of God, especially by his resurrection from the dead. The Alleluia verse. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you back again to Psalm 110. Or if you're using the traditional one from the Lutheran Missile Project, come, O Lord, and tarry not. Forgive the misdeeds of thy people. Both of them appropriate. Again, the one from the Lutheran service book is leaning towards the upcoming feast. And the one from the Lutheran Missile Project is leaning back toward the season of Advent. I think it's fascinating how all of the propers are working out that way, despite sharing a common gospel, which is what we're coming to now. That would be Matthew 1, beginning at verse 18. Yeah. They will differ as to where it stops. I'll tell you as we're going through it where it stops. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the Lutheran Missile Project stops right there. LSB goes on. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So this reading, obviously, focuses on Joseph's perspective as opposed to when you're reading St. Luke's Gospel. It's very much Mary's perspective, which you are getting. Joseph is visited with dreams, just like his forebear with the same name in the Old Testament, right? Joseph, the great patriarch, he had these dreams over and over, and he could interpret the dreams. And also, while Joseph in the Old Testament was related to the line of Messiah and actually protected the line of Messiah in Egypt, of all places, he himself was not in the direct line of Messiah. Messiah does not come from his loins, right? It comes from the loins of Judah, whom he protected when they came down to Egypt. So just in the same way, Jesus does not come from the loins of Joseph, but Joseph and Jesus are both related to each other because Jesus is, of course, descended through Mary from King David as well as Joseph has descended from King David. But Jesus does not come from Joseph. And that's the whole point against the liberal ruining of this gospel where they would argue, no, 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 no. Maybe he's the son of a Roman soldier or whatever, but he had a natural father. We want to say, no, no. The whole point is Joseph realizes that he is the protector of a child who has been conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, a fact he learns from the angel in the dream. We assume from the angel Gabriel as well, appearing to him in the dream. Why is the name so important? The name Jesus, Yahweh who saves. It doesn't get more at the heart of what he came to do. And again, I, I think I pointed it out last week or the week before, I can't remember, that the very idea of salvation in our minds tends to come unglued from healing, but it should not because in Greek, they are joined together. In fact, you almost can't tell how to translate it at points. Your faith has saved you or your faith has healed you. We would say those are two different things, but to the Greek mind, I think those are the exact same thing. So as we hear about the name of Jesus, we need to realize this man is our great healer and all the healing miracles that happen in his life are going to point towards the great healing, which he will accomplish for the creation when he performs the resurrection of the dead on the last day. We get two nativity accounts, Luke and Matthew, and this is probably a good opportunity to just say what each one of them is doing. They're telling the same story, obviously, mm-hmm. but they're saying something a little bit different, mm-hmm. wanting to emphasize something a little bit yeah. different about this. And since we're getting both accounts in the course of our Christmas celebration, how would you contrast those? Yeah, they, they definitely are focused at different points. What Matthew is overwhelmingly concerned to do is to let you see that Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament. And of course, by the name Joseph and all this stuff's happening here, I mean, Matthew is kind of like rubbing your nose under that huge type from the Old Testament, right? I was at a conference out in uh, Connecticut this fall where a beautiful man pointed this out to me. He's like, I had said it's the only type in the Old Testament that just so blatantly obvious that the New Testament doesn't actually make explicit. And he disagreed. He said, no, it's explicit in the gospel of Matthew. He was absolutely right. It is explicit in the gospel of Matthew. And it even shows up by the fact that when Jesus is taken down from the cross, of course, he's going to be entrusted to the care of another Joseph, and this time Joseph of Arimathea, giving him that borrowed tomb for a while. So very different emphasis there. In Matthew, 
everything is about Jesus is Israel reduced to one. The whole history of Israel comes into the life of Christ. So it's not by accident that Jesus is going to end up going with Joseph into Egypt. That's going to be huge, right? And Joseph as his protector there will bring him back and put him into the promised land as a young child. Big thought there. I want to deal with one other thing that's sort of, uh, you know, big in this passage for a lot of people. And that is, number one, how could Joseph be called just if he didn't want to follow the law of Moses and didn't want to have Mary be shamed or certainly not stoned to death for adultery? Martin Chemnitz beautifully observed, to the Hebrews, justice often signifies gentleness, lenience, permissiveness, which forgives something in regard to their law. I thought that is an absolutely stunning and insightful statement. Justice is not merely giving out what is due. That is a very Greek way of thinking about justice. But to the Hebrew way of thinking, justice is the doing of what is right. And there is a difference there. Also, people have commented on this. He did not know her until and have concluded from that. Well, then it must mean that he knew her afterward. I just want to let Martin Kimnitz address that for us. He says, from those conjunctions before and until, therefore, one cannot conclude that Mary had intercourse with Joseph after her delivery and that she bore children from him. The evangelist used those conjunctions because it's very important to our faith to know that Mary had no intercourse with a man before the conception of Christ and after the conception of Christ until his birth. If one asks about the time following, Jerome's answer is the best. And Chemnitz quotes Jerome. We believe that God was born to the genitals of a virgin because we read it in the Bible. Before the birth, Mary did not lie with Joseph. We do not believe that she bore children by him later because we do not read that after the birth she did. Jerome's is a good argument, Chemnitz says. If Joseph was moved by such reverence because of the angel's story in a dream to not know Mary until she had given birth, what kind of emotions would he have felt when he heard the shepherds, Simeon and Anna, saying such divine things about the child? But even though that's all true and all great, I still want to go back to uh, the statement of Basil the Great on this, which I think is just beyond compare. He says, For he did not know her, it says, until she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. But this could make one suppose that Mary after having offered in all her purity her own service in giving birth to the Lord by virtue of the Holy Spirit, did not subsequently refrain from normal conjugal relations. Basil says, that would not have affected the teaching of our faith at all, because Mary's virginity was necessary until the service of the Incarnation, and what happened afterward need not be investigated in order to affect the doctrine of the mystery. Then he adds, but since the lovers of Christ do not allow themselves to hear that the mother of God ceased at any moment to be a virgin, we consider their testimony sufficient. So you see what Basil did there? Clearly, he says, you have to be absolutely clear. Mary had no sexual relations until the birth. Whatever happened afterward, he's like, that's none of our business in a way. And when he says, the lovers of Christ don't hear it, otherwise he's admitting this is something that he's receiving from the tradition of the church, and he believes the tradition can be made to harmonize with the Scripture, and he leaves it at that. We are looking forward to Sunday morning and the Nativity of Our Lord for Christmas Eve with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. I'm Todd Wilkin, your link to issues, etc. If you appreciate our weekly teachings with Pastor Whedon, please make a year-end tax-deductible donation to issues, etc., 
No gift is too small. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. at the end of 2023. On the other side, we will talk a little bit more about the gospel and then discuss some of the hymns. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season, lutheranpublicradio.org. Where is God's mission? God's mission is everywhere. Yes, it's far away, but it's also very near. It's as near as your congregation in school, your neighborhood, your family and friends, even as near as your home. Wherever you are, God's mission is in that place. Through his mission, Christ is bringing forgiveness, life, and salvation to people everywhere, even here, right where you are. God's mission here. Learn more at lcms.org slash national mission. Evangelical and Catholic. You're listening to Issues Etc. Our children are always a blessing to us, but not only are we blessed by them, but we have opportunities to bless them as well. Pastor Christopher Nuttleman, in the December issue of The Lutheran Witness, takes up the topic of blessing your children, how to bless them in your home, with the Word of God and prayer. To learn more, pick up your copy of the December issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe or visit witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. At Memoria Press, the Simply Classical curriculum is specifically designed for students with significant learning challenges. This complete program includes everything you need for a school, self-contained classroom, tutoring, or homeschool to make a classical Christian education accessible for any child. To learn more, visit us at simplyclassical.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Simply Classical, a beautiful education for any child. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are looking forward to the Nativity of Our Lord Christmas Eve, according to the one-year lectionary, Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest. Just one final question about that Matthew account of Jesus' birth, and it seems just kind of touching to me that it's told from Joseph's perspective that Joseph is the one who names this child, even though not his son in the biological sense, but he names him. The angel goes through Joseph Mm -hmm. to accomplish all of that. Yeah, very much so, because he's to be the guardian. He is going to be the Lord's guardian, and as the one who names him as his official father. In fact, in Luke's gospel, he's actually called his father, right? I mean, in the colloquial sense of the word, not meaning that he's from his seed, but meaning that he's the one who is the father of the household where the child lives. And as that, he is given this immense task to actually watch out for the child. I don't think there's actually been a better reflection on this than from— uh, 
the contemporary Christian artist Michael Card. Are you familiar with this stuff? Listen to these words. He says, and it's again, Joseph talking. How could it be this baby in my arms, sleeping now so peacefully? The son of God, the angel said. How could it be? Lord, I know he's not my own, not of my flesh, not of my bone. Still, Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? He looks so small, his face and hands so fair. And when he cries, the sun just seems to disappear. And when he laughs, it shines again. How could it be? And then repeat of, other words from the psalm that we've already heard. But I love how Card tried to get into Joseph's mind there about this incredible task that had been given him and how nerve-wracking it must have been. Um, it's like, you know, oh yeah, God in the flesh and the Savior of the world. Now, don't screw this up. you got to take care of him. Wow, that's a lot of heavy responsibility laid on Joseph's strong shoulders. What would you say of the hymn of the day for this coming Sunday? Well, aside from being like maybe my all-time favorite Christmas hymn, especially in its music, uh, Michael Pretorius set the setting that we have, and it really is just one of the most, I don't know how to describe it. I want to call it the most chaste, glorious Christmas carol ever written. It's just amazing. So, Lo, how a rose air blooming from tender stem it sprung of Jesse's lineage coming, as prophets long have sung, it came, a flower it bright, amid the cold of winter when half spent was the night. So very clearly they're referring to the Christ coming from Jesse's lineage. But then the Roman Catholic version at this point, I'm going to read you the little translation. It read, the little rose I mean of which Isaiah spoke is Mary, the pure one who brought us the little flower. Out of God's eternal counselor, she bore a child and remained a pure virgin. Now, the Lutherans, when they got a hold of this, they literally changed that to shift the focus away from Mary and on to Jesus. So the little rose that I mean of which Isaiah spoke was brought to us solely by Mary, the pure maiden. Out of God's eternal counsel, she bore a child in the middle of the night, which we render in our version as Isaiah was foretold it, the rose I have in mind. With Mary, we behold it the virgin mother kind, to show God's love aright. She bore to us a savior when half spent was the night. To show God's love aright ties really well with that epistle we just heard. And then moving on, this flower whose fragrance tender with still sweetness fills the air, dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God. From sin and death, he saves us and lightens every load. So Again, this is a beautiful summation of several of the propers that we heard early, the, the, earlier, the, the twofold nature of Christ. And then the last stanza is my absolute favorite of the whole. O Savior, child of Mary, who felt our human woe. O Savior, King of glory, who dost our weakness know. Bring us at length, we pray, to the bright courts of heaven and to the endless day. Jesus came into the house of Joseph the carpenter, because he has come to actually build for us a home eternal in the heavens where we can live with him forever. He came, the carpenter's son, to be a carpenter for us. And he would prepare that home by the astounding miracle of his suffering and death and then his resurrection from the dead. Beautiful, beautiful tie-in to the, all the readings for the day, really.
Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. He formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. He's author of the book, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Pastor Whedon, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Todd, for the opportunity. In our two of Issues Etc., Dr. Michael New of the Charlotte Lozier Institute joins us first for a brief overlook of a new report on the work of pro-life pregnancy centers, lots of things going on, and he wants to discuss a Wall Street Journal poll on abortion. We'll spend some time with Dr. James Gill, Associate Professor of Mathematics at St. Louis University, discussing Lutheranism and mathematics, and then Pastor Andrew Packard joins us for a conversation responding to the contention that gender is fluid. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Trinity Orchard Farm is settled between two rivers showing the way to the water of life. For worship that is reverent, relevant, and refreshing like pure water, or for excellent education in a unique setting, check out our church and school. We're just five miles north of Highway 370 on Highway 94 in St. Charles County. Visit us on the web at trinityorchardfarm.com. That's trinityorchardfarm.com. Our phone number is 636-250-3350. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of his family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.